0: Like the rest of you, we're trying to make sense of this crazy thing we call life. I'm RJ. I'm Khalil. And welcome to Try Not to Overthink It. I'm a licensed professional counselor.
1: I'm a licensed social worker.
0: Every day we find ourselves discussing many different topics ranging from trending news to the state of our society as a whole. You name it, we've probably talked about it. After many heated debates, we decided to expand and share our conversations with you, hoping to give you a perspective from a therapist and a social worker, and hopefully get your input. If this is your first time here, we want to thank you for stopping by and checking us out, and we hope that you'll stay and be a part of the conversation. So today, we're going to continue our conversation on racism. Um, we talked about that last episode, and so we're going to continue that episode today. I mean, we're going to continue forward with this with that topic today in this episode. Um, that is something that is very serious for both uh, Khalil and myself, because if you are, as you cannot see, you know, for those of you who are listening to us rather than seeing us, watching us, we are both African American. And being African American, there are certain hurdles that we have to overcome in life, both professionally and personally. Um, And so that is something that we definitely wanted to talk about with you guys. So what I've seen, especially in today's society, when you have conversations of racism, about racism with people, a lot of people tend to think that racism is like a malicious act that one person or an institution is doing to another another person or a, 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 a group of people who are part of a marginalized population. Um, but that's not true. Racism has like morphed and changed and shape shifted from malicious acts and You know, malicious beliefs and malicious, you know, things and and ways to more institutionalize things where it's gone past just judging someone based off the color of their skin and uh, language and religious preference to being more so of a thing where we start to place hurdles that people have to jump over in order to just have basic human rights, you know, basic equality. And it's become so, so ridiculous to the point to where people just don't have access to the same level of health care.
1: Right. People
0: don't have access to the same level of education. People just don't have just basic equality that other people, you know, take for granted.
1: Look, we're going, we're going to touch where we need to touch on Flint, Michigan, for sure, because uh, that situation is still going on. People mm-hmm. uh, really think that, you know, oh. Well, because you know, we, the government's providing water and some other things, well, how come the water is still not drinkable? <laughs> they've still been running tests and the water is still not uh, provided to those Flint, Michigan uh, residents at a high quality standard. Uh, water has to be get, um, brought in from elsewhere. Uh, you know what I'm saying? People are still talking about that right now so that should show you about some of the racial inequalities that are still going on uh systematic uh, matter of fact uh, i was just talking to somebody about redlining and when it comes to uh the housing market we know how crazy the housing market is right now the feds just hiked the interest rate but uh still there are different communities that are not available for people of color and I'm not just talking about African-Americans, While people come up, period. Uh, they're locked out of those communities. The realtors still do that same work today to keep certain people out of certain communities. Mm-hmm. People act Most like it's, everything went away in, in the 40s and 50s. Are you crazy? No, it's still going on today. Uh, so those are the systematic things um, I believe you were touching on earlier. Uh, and we didn't get to talk about that last show. I didn't get to talk about you know, uh, living with a, a biracial, biracial child. My daughter's biracial. And I was telling to a, a brother the other day, um, white women really don't understand the struggle um, until we sit down with them and allow them in the head of an African-American male. Uh, and that's the reason why it's a high percentage. I don't have the statistics memorized right now, but it's a high percentage of biracial couples end up in divorce or separation. People don't yep. really understand that.
0: Well I mean yes. that that's where it goes back to, you know, like I was saying last episode of a conversation of education.
1: Conversation um, of education. Yep.
0: By sitting down and educating people about about your struggle. Um because a lot of people their thought process and things is if it doesn't directly impact me, right. I'm I'm not truly concerned about it. And it's yeah, not until one. something and it, yeah, I got I got these blinders out where I'm only focused on the things that are impacting my lane of traffic. And if it's not impacting me or people that I know, if it's not hitting home, if it's not me and mine, then I'm not truly concerned about it. And things like racism only continues if people just turn the look the turn other way and, 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 and just pretend that it doesn't exist because it does. Simple things like education. Like my niece, for example, um, my niece is she is seven. She's in private school, so she's in private school. My sister pays I I think just shy of eight hundred dollars a month for private school tuition. Hmm. So, when you look at the demographic of her classroom, there's not a lot of people that look like her sure. in that classroom. Right. right. So. Um, the the best way that I can equate it is, there the former mayor of of New Orleans, uh, Mitch I think his name is Mitch Landrieu, did like a he launched a racial a racial justice initiative to un- uncover and confront issues of racial inequality, and so um, one of the things he talked about you know when they were interviewing him and and just different things was he talked about opportunity and about how um, talent is evenly distributed but opportunity is not. Right. So, you know, there are certain things that as a person who is a member of a marginalized population that you already have to overcome. You know, you know, people are going to judge you based off the way you look. People are going to judge you based off of your religious preference. People are going to judge you based off of who you love or how you love or how you worship, you know, how you speak. People are going to judge you. But then you compound compound, you know, Compound that with having less access to quality instructors right. um, with uh, less access to uh, advanced technology, you know, textbooks, tutors, um, because, again, everyone knows that if you have access to better resources, you tend to be more successful in whatever it is that you're trying to do. Right. So if you're an athlete and you have access to the cutting edge technology in regards to rest and recovery mm. you have uh the the best you know in in equipment the best personal trainers the best nutritionists. guess what you'll be head and shoulders can, above anybody shoulders else competing against rest. you right so when, when you see things like that in regards to education education is a foundational a foundational block that our society is built upon you know that Education opens. It's a gateway where it opens doors to other facets of life where a child is automatically starting off at a deficit because of the fact that I don't have access to the same resources to people who don't look like me. That's right. a problem. Right. And I mean, it, it, and, it, and, and like you said, it domino effects into things like housing, you know, it domino effects into things like getting a job. It dominoes effects into things like health care. You know, people don't really take that into account because it's not me. Right. I got I got I got mine. I got my health insurance. My kids got the best education. I got my career. But then what about the next person? You know, the person standing that. next to you, right. you know, and, and well, we and, saw and, that in the
1: pandemic In the yeah. pandemic kids were supposed to be work, uh, going to school from home. Right. A lot mm-hmm. of people were struggling because they did not have access to Wi-Fi. People forget about that. There was people who did not have um homes that were equipped with Wi-Fi. So they had to try to do other things. We'll come come to this location so you can get free Wi-Fi and access to mm-hmm. the schools, for the student, I mean, for the students through the school. Uh, that's, you know, when people look at that, it's like, well, wow, I thought everybody had Wi-Fi now. I thought everybody had that.
0: No, not everybody. No. Has that. Those you are know, things that people take, those are things that people take for granted. People, granted. people have started, like, the, you know, the pandemic, for all the bad that it did, the pandemic did a lot of good too, because it showed that we're where we are as a, as as a as a species in regards to how little we cared about each other. One, and then right. two, the fact that there was a huge disparity in certain resources, like you know Wi-Fi. You know where again, like you said, you and I, we've had internet, we don't even think about it. I remember internet when it used to be dial-up, where you had to disconnect your phone right. and plug it into 56, your computer. 8. You know, yeah. and now you can you can access Internet anywhere. So most of us take it for granted, not understanding that there are people who are less fortunate than, than ourselves that right. struggle, you know, and can barely survive. So to have a luxury such as 5G Internet, Wi-Fi, to be right. able to do homework assignments. You know, I got to choose between putting food on my table oh, and keeping a roof over my head versus having a luxury such as Internet. So those children who didn't have the internet. Guess what they did? They were they they were behind when school started going back to normal. Right. Because again, the lessons that they would that they should have gotten, they didn't have. And right. so and where their again,
1: had to to run and scramble to try to get them to someone's house who had it, doing a lot of extracurricular things, right? Remember we had problems yeah. with childcare? because, you know, hey, work doesn't stop just because of the pandemic. A lot of people still had to go to work, myself and you included. We yeah. still had to go to work. We had clients. I had to go see people face-to-face. Yeah. Uh, case management never stopped for me. I'm on the phone. I'm going to people's houses. I, I caught COVID, going to people's houses. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, work didn't stop for me. Um, I was blessed that my child doesn't live with me, but I still had to send support. I still had to do things like that. Uh, so work didn't stop for, for most people who are lower income, our work didn't stop.
0: Life, life in, as itself, as a whole didn't stop. And so right. for, you know, in order for things like racism to end, you have to replace, you have to, it's just like with any bad idea. Um, In order to get rid of a bad idea, you have to replace it with a better one, right? You have to sit down and have these conversations where people are sitting down and discussing things and under and hearing, truly hearing each other right. because if we're just shouting at each other, guess what? Nobody's listening. Nobody's receiving anything. If all we're doing is pointing out, you know, you did this to me and this is your problem and it's right. not my problem and da, 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 The cycle continues. And so that's where we're at now where again, there has been a lot of progress in regards to combating racism because again, people are becoming more more educated about what how you know how things are not fair. Right. Things are people are becoming more cognizant and more empathetic to the plight of the next person. And that's where, like I said, for all the bad things that COVID did, COVID did do a lot of good things because it caused people to recognize, like, holy crap, that's not fair and that's not right. Like I I was watching a. a, a, a a documentary where they were talking about, you know, people, you know, that there was a higher rate of, you know, more fatalities resulting in COVID for, you know, people of of, of the minority groups, you know, because of certain things like, you know, the, the meters that were checking for oxygen level and how that the meter was essentially it was calibrated for people with a lighter pigment skin tone, right. you know, because it's it sends light, I guess, through your finger or something. From what the lady was explaining and so if you have a darker pigment it's not going to go through your finger as well so it it gives off a false a false you know reading that hey you're highly oxygenated when in reality it was not and so again it forced people to sit down and have those conversations because we realize like we're not doing things to the best of our capabilities in order to make sure that we're providing adequate care to everybody right You know,
1: since we live in the medical, I mean, work in the medical field, people don't realize that's why I I do go to an African-American physician and my nurse practitioner is um, uh, uh, also uh, of another race. Uh, You know what I mean? She's uh, uh, of color. I have to go to someone who understands that my genetics are a little bit different than Europeans, not saying we're different. When it like a different
0: species different or something.
1: Different species, but because I have situations where most of my father's side, they're thinner people, you know what I mean. But they have a high rate of diabetes. These are these mm-hmm. aren't men that are overweight. My mom's side, people are a little more overweight. And they don't have diabetes, but they have high blood pressure, right? So I need to make sure that I'm not being grouped into. Uh, the same statistics as some other Europeans and you're trying to pass me off medication that's not good for me. People don't realize there's some blood pressure medicine that reacts differently on different people. Uh, You get sick by taking certain blood pressure medicine. Uh, You sure will. Yeah. And and if you're pre-diabetic, a lot of people can change their diets before they have to go on uh, certain medications that are pushed by the physician's. It's good for you to talk to people about your, your, your uh, genetic history. It's good for you to go get a colonoscopy. It's good for you to go do certain things, but also have a doctor of color uh, in, in which people, I, I know it seems, well, I, I go to any doctor, as long as you go to the doctor, right? Yeah, that's good too, as long as you go to a doctor, but why don't you go to a doctor of color so they can actually tell you about certain things Genetically, that you're for high risk for it, just because of mm-hmm. your genetics. Period.
0: Because a lot of people don't understand that that you, you know, depending on your your race or your ethnic group, you are you are you can be pre predisposed to certain you know medical afflictions such That's as right. diabetes, high cholesterol, hypertension. There's even certain foods that right. I was reading. I was reading about there are certain foods that because of whatever your ethnic group is it can affect you a certain way right you know make you know so it's things of that that nature where again we not only have to educate other people but we have to educate ourselves and and so because when you the more you educate yourself you can then be a force multiplier where you can educate other people about what goes on with you because again a lot of people take things for granted. They, you know, like for a lot of people, they personally don't experience things. They personally don't, aren't affected by something. They tend to dismiss it as it's not that big of a deal. Because I've had that conversation with, you know, co-workers, colleagues, uh, people I was going to school with where we've talked about things because both you and I went to HBCUs. Right. So in going to HBCUs, um, you sometimes meet people who are not necessarily from your, your ethnic group. And so I remember being in graduate school and we were taking a class on counseling, uh, counseling, culturally, culturally diverse populations. And one of one of my classmates who happened to be Caucasian was like, I don't understand why African-American people are still going on about racism. You know, I mean, not racism, slavery, why slavery is still such a big deal to African-American people. It happened. We all know what happened. It was bad. I'm not saying that it was okay, but I'm just not understanding why, you know, African American people can't just get over it. Right. And I mean, the thing is, like like I had to explain to her, what you have to understand in situations such as, you know, slavery, the slave trade, Right. we as African American people, we were African people at the time and then we slowly became African American people. But we as you know, African people, you know, my ancestors were bought and sold as though we were property. Right. We were we were less than a pair of shoes. We we weren't even a commodity. We were we commodity. Were commodity. yeah. We we were, were not we we weren't human beings. And so it's easy for you to say, "Oh, well, you know, just get over it." Not right. really well, understanding yeah. when you didn't have to experience that. Your ancestors didn't experience
1: didn't that. Experience it. So well, and also you should have shared with that person also the legacy that's left behind is still here. Uh especially a lot of the Ivy League schools were built off of slave money. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't know that. All up and down the East Coast, uh, Brown, Princeton, all those, they had a lot of investors who got their wealth from the slave trade yeah. get and, and put it into Ivy League schools. That's why, hey, a lot of them don't even want us there. But you have to really educate people because they don't know that. But they can go look it up. You can Google it, but they wouldn't want to Google it. You get what I'm yeah. saying? because- a little
0: secure bubble. Because what happens is people tend to build this, like you said, a bubble. They put a, they build a bubble around themselves where, you know, the things that I believe, there's no way that I was, I or anybody I'm associated with, was a part of anything negative or bad. Right. And 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 so, like you said, there, you know, the history, you know, and this is something we, you know, we're gonna talk about, you know, at a at a later time in regards to generational curses. Right. You know, the same way that um eye color height weight you know hair color you know certain physical afflictions even some mental afflictions can be passed on genetically right right. you know to the next to the next generation things like hate and racism and and ignorance can be passed on to the next generation as well to the point to where you doom yourself to repeat it and continue the cycle because again if all you know is a certain way of thinking or a certain way of being, guess what? How are you going to do anything any different? Because it's normalized to you. And right. and so when you have things like when you come into this world out of your mother, right? You're not born understanding that because someone looks different than you they're they're less than you. Right. You know, that's taught to you. And the only way to unlearn things that are taught to you is to be presented with alternative information and in, in a way that you're willing to receive it right because the com the, the you know like and and you know we've talked about this a, con- a conversation of education when you sit down and you're willing to receive anything that someone tells you right you you know because the way a conversation works is you know transmit and receive mode while right. you're in transmit mode i'm in receive mode and when i'm in transmit mode you're in receive mode but when you come into an interaction with someone and you're both on transmit mode, guess what? Nobody's receiving anything.
1: Nobody's receiving so anything. So right.
0: we, as members of a, of a marginalized population, have to understand that for some people, this is all they know. So right. to come in and try to cause what we call what we talk about in psychology is called a paradigm shift, which right. is a complete reverse of their right. reality. You know, we have to be patient. We have to be understanding that it's not going to occur overnight. But we it's still not,
1: have to be proactive. you, you got to be proactive because people will sit there and be like, well, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. No, no. Educate. All right. Start participating. Start going out there. Be intentional about uh, shaking up some of the uh, stereotypes and being like, hey, this is not what we want to do. Exactly. Uh, not not all black people want to live in the lower income neighborhoods. Not all Black people don't want to go to school. Not all Black people steal. Not all Black people want to um, gangbang or, or, or want to um, fight for, because like a lot of people think, well, imitation is the best form of flattery. And you see young white kids with their pants sagging. Like, you know, I remember living in a lower income area and there being some white families in there, right? And a lot of those white families, they really didn't want like some of their, their kids assimilated into the culture and they would wear some pants that were a little baggy or whatever like that. But that parents really didn't like none of that. Parents didn't really like black people because uh, I had a, a couple of white friends growing up when I was in lower lower class neighborhoods, right? And we never shamed him because sometimes the dude, he, you know, he, he did have a little slang in his talk and stuff like that. But he had a harder life than I did. You know, you know what I'm saying? He had a real hard life. And the funniest thing is. He wanted to get out of that situation. So when yeah. I see these rich kids walk around with their pants hanging and, and they acting like they're bangers and wearing flags and doing all that type of stuff, people say imitation is the best form of flattery. But I also want to say, that's not reality, man. It's no not. one wants to live like that. My I mother mean, it, got out of a low-income neighborhood so fast my head spun. As soon as she got a better job, it was on. She's like, we got to go. <laughs> because she understood what it does to you. Uh, and, and, and that oppression from being in that type of environment are gets passed down. That's a part yeah. of that generational curse.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, like when you watch the girl, uh the girl from Dr. Phil, the Catch Me Outside Girl, I can't remember where it's
1: famous.
0: like we're it it was like we're we're you know, we're when you when you listen to her mother speak, I'm like you didn't learn how to talk like that from your moms. from your mom you you learn how to talk like that and act like that because you're watching what you think is cool which happen to be african-american people now right. again that is not how we all that is not a true representation of all of us now some like people that. some people do like speak that. like that some people do speak like that but ne- again what happens the way our brains work is we tend to generalize. A right. small sample size of a population to the entire population. And
1: everybody acts
0: like that. And everybody acts like that. No, we, we don't. You. We don't. So, you know, for me, that is where, like I said, conversation of education has to occur. And and pointing out to people that, you know, for, for me as an African-American man, there are certain it, it blows my mind that people don't really realize that the struggle that we have to go through every single day as people of color, right. where We have to have conversations with our children of when you go certain places, don't do certain things. When you're around certain people, don't do certain things. When there are certain places you, because of the way you look, you can't go after a certain time. Like, heck, heck, there are certain places here where we live. Right. We know Alabama. We there are certain places we can't go after after a certain time. You're not allowed to be there.
1: You're a prime suspect if you are. Yeah, are gonna, so well, you must be here to start trouble, so we're gonna start trouble first.
0: Yeah, exactly. So those are conversations like I was watching um one of my co-workers uh put me on the show uh, All American. You know, it's a CW show about this kid that yeah, went from oh, Crenshaw yeah. to Beverly Hills to play football. And so one of the episodes, him and his and his and his teammate got stopped by the police. Right. And so You know, he's explaining to to the coach who's allowed him to move into the house. Like, why didn't you have this conversation with him? Like where I'm from, we have these conversations of, hey, you don't do certain things. You don't run. You don't do this. You don't do that because these certain things will get you certain responses. And so people don't understand, you know, and I don't say that because I feel that, oh, you know, this is indictment on the police because it's not because I work with a lot of police officers who, again, have been the most respectful, most caring, most loving people I've ever African had
1: African-American police officers you know, as well. We, we've it, done that too. <laughs>
0: exactly. So right. it, it, it becomes a situation where people don't understand the struggle that comes along with being a, a, a part of a marginalized population. They tend to kind of downgrade what we go through and what we experience. And I mean, to me, not really understanding that we're not asking for you to for something that is life altering or life changing we're asking to be viewed as peers and to be treated as equals right and 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 right now there are so many hurdles and so many fences and so many things that we have to overcome that just don't make any sense just for us to be on the same equal footing as people who do not look like us we have to fight harder we got to fight harder you know because not only do we have to fight against the stereotypes but we have to fight against the societal issues you know, such as education, such as the access to resources, because that's what it's turned into where there has, there's a clear disparity gap, you know, not just small incremental. No, I'm talking about Grand Canyon size gaps in, in, in academic success. Why is that? Because these, these group of people, they have access to things because they have the resources, you know, so they can do all these different things. Resources is key. Yeah, access to
1: resources is key. That's how you keep generational wealth. Yes, exactly. People don't get that. I didn't start off with ten thousand dollars to invest. Some people have even more than that. I didn't start off with a family member that said, Hey, I already have your college paid for.
0: Exactly. So those so those are things where people don't understand. You know, like you know people you know throw that adage out there that life isn't fair and you're absolutely right life is not life fair is right but but again if we're supposed to be equal and 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 we're supposed to be the same and we're all supposed to be putting in the we're all supposed to be putting in the same and taking care of each other and loving each other because right. i can't speak to how anybody else was raised and how I- anybody else was brought up but the way i was brought up and the way i was raised was that we were all equal we were all right. the same You know, and and we, it's cool to espouse that. And it's sexy to say that because, you know, that's the narrative nowadays. Is that real?
1: Is that real? Is that reality? Well, that's what, well, look, that's the funniest thing because I was watching an old show. Somebody had posted an old show of Louis Farrakhan uh, going on, um, uh, uh, I forgot what talk show it is. I'm trying to remember if it was like Jenny Jones or something like that. But uh, he was getting to speak to uh, Caucasians uh, white Amer- white Americans about white America, about uh, systemic racism and about why black people have to uh, allow themselves to basically become incorporated and take care of their own people and not expect white America to take care of them. Like there has to be a separation, right? Almost Uh, going back to kind of how they viewed things in the 60s. um, In in saying that, uh, he was actually reiterating that, like, hey, we, in theory, we would all like to be like Martin Luther King and everybody get along in theory, but in all actuality and all reality, uh, we have to kind of remain separate in order uh, to rebuild our culture and to kind of start off, because we started off from down here. We had an unfair uh, uh, start by being slaves and coming to this country um, uh, with a a deficit, right? So he's talking to white Americans and they're not really willing to hear him out. But that also speaks to the point where, yes, I don't want to be divided. I think we can all work things through, but in all actuality, when it talks about reality, are we willing to give people of color, not just African-Americans, mm-hmm. are you really willing to give people a seat at the table or do we need to do this separately? You know what so, I mean? Goodbye. So as
0: long as, like, like I, I, so in order for us to be successful, in order for us to get past a lot of the struggles that we go through, we, we have to have an equal say. We all got to be sitting at the table. Um, right. But But again, in order for us to get to that point, People have to be willing to hear. You have to be willing to hear what you have to say when you sit down at the table, because it's cool. Like I said, it's cool to say, "Oh, I'm, I stand with you," and to protest and to take a knee right now because people are watching. me. Right. Because I, we live in a day and age where a lot of people have this thing of fake love, where because it's cool, because. I can get retweets and follows and likes. I'm I'm yeah. with this. I'm with it. I'm, right. I'm down George for Floyd, the cause. We saw it yeah.
1: through George Floyd. Everybody just talking about, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All lives matter and black lives matter and everybody But
0: but, but then but then the, the moment that everything kind of died down, that that energy was gone. Where that was that, that, same ener- that same energy that same energy, that same solidarity that everyone was talking about, that that it, it just evaporated. And that's where you know, for me, you know, and I talked about this in, in, in our last episode, of Bernie Sanders, like right. there's photographic evidence of Bernie Sanders marching and fighting for with African-American people for African-American problems when he didn't have to. No, and
1: didn't. so
0: for me, I'm not a am not a Bernie Bernie Sanders fan, but I can respect the fact that it's documented evidence that this man has had decades.
1: Yes. Of longer
0: than longer than I've been alive. Fighting for the, for, for the equality of human beings, not just African-American people, not just Hispanic people, not just Asian people, everybody. everybody. And so for me, again, I can't do nothing but respect that because he picked up a fight and he picked up and and he chose to continue to fight for something that didn't personally affect him and kept right. that same energy the entire time. It wasn't just because it was cool. Wasn't just because it was a popular thing to do. My man said, you know what? That's not right. And I'm not okay with that. And, I'm gonna and, stand so, up and so I'm right. going to stand up for it. Because in order for evil to triumph, the good man is to stand by and do nothing. And right. for too long, we've stood by and done nothing. We've said nothing. Because it didn't personally affect me. I didn't have no skin in the fight. I didn't have no dog in the race. Because right. me and my family are good. Not understanding. Right. Are that, you? <laughs> but are you, though? Are you, though? Because, again... This is if you you always, you know, and this is a life lesson I was taught when I was a kid. You treat people the way you want to be treated.
1: Right.
0: You know, now I understand that, you know, and as a therapist and I tell my clients this and I tell my co-workers this all the time. What you put into an interaction is what you can expect out of it. I always lead with respect because in the words of my man, Kevin Gates, I lead with respect because I command it in return. I'm a I'm a lead with that respect and that love. Because the only way that you can combat hate is with love. You can't combat hate, can't with, hate.
1: Combat with hate. You
0: can't fight fire with fire because, again, the fire is not going anywhere. You can't battle a flood with a flood because, again, the water is not going anywhere. The only way that you can do, the only way that you can battle hate is with love. It, love has to be like medicine. You know, for both Khalil and I, we work in the psychiatric field. So when you have symptomology that has, that has become, begun to manifest in someone, what do you do? You manage that the, that symptomology with medication. If that current dose of medication doesn't work, you up the dosage Train or you change the medication. <laughs> right. So you keep as as the as the symptom escalates, you escalate. And right. so it's it's the same thing with love. As you start to to manage and you start to educate people and share, you know, your experiences, your life experiences, uh, with with other people who don't look like you, who aren't from from the same places you are, who don't speak the same languages as you speak. Again, you're not always going to meet people who are going to be willing to receive the information that you're sharing with open arms. Right. You know, you're going to have, you're going to meet those people who have their walls up because, again, you're challenging my state of being right now. You're challenging what I know. You're challenging my reality right now. You're trying to tell me that the way I think, the way I was raised, the way I believe things to be is completely wrong. Right. And you expect me not to feel some type of way. But again, being patient and like my man Khalil said, being proactive and not giving up and not being disheartened and not feeling like it's not, and being hopeless and not feeling like it's not going anywhere. Eventually you keep sharing that love. You keep loving on that person. You keep loving on that person. Eventually, the, eventually those walls start to come down right. and they start to become more receptive. Because again, what, one of the things that happens when you present information to people, people will either go and investigate for themselves.
1: Right. Right. Cause
0: you just drop that you drop that 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 jewel on them. 'em. They're like, you know what? Let me go look into this. Let me look at this is really so
1: just, talking about something.
0: Or or if he's lying.
1: Right, right. Because most so of the time start, they think you're lying anyway, so that's why exactly. they're going to investigate.
0: Right. So so my thing is like I tell people all the time, check the internet. The internet is undefeated. There's a a, 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 a plethora of knowledge that's out there that all you gotta do is do a Google search and you right. can check no you story. can check facts for yourself. And so again provide people with reading material because I do that as well. When I have a client that doesn't want to take medication, you know, because medication will do this and da yeah. I print out I print out reading material for the client and we sit down together and read over it. So you can see that I'm not trying to flim flam you, I'm not no trying side to side
1: effects or if there is any side effects and the things you can expect. Well that's the same thing that I was talking about earlier, having a biracial child. You know, um me and her mother had to have a sit down um because my child's black. Uh, no mm-hmm. matter what uh, you know, she, don't matter if she got curly hair, light skin, she's still Black. She can't pass as, uh, you know, uh, any other uh, race, except for maybe Spanish, but she can't pass for uh, a white child. She's not. Nope. She's Black. We had to go through that early. Uh, you know, so every time I would sit down with her, um, even after we separated, it's just to explain that being an African American, you will have a, a automatic stereotype, There's stigmas. Um, you will have extra stress on you that I have to do, be better than other people. Uh, when I'm in school, I have to perform better than the other races uh, because if I don't, then they're going to try to stereotype stigma. Say that I have a mental health issue, say that I'm slow, ADHD, whatever that case is, um, you actually have to go through that as mm-hmm. an African-American. Um, the stress that I have as an African American male, it's different dealing when when I was dealing with Caucasian women. Uh, you have to have that sit down. My stress is different. It's a lot different.
0: You might Are, not be able to help
1: me. Your reality
0: you is different. It.
1: Yeah, you can't understand what I'm going through. You probably can't help me. And and you have to say and it's rough to say that stuff to them unless they've grown up in in in, in a, a lower income. Uh, A family and had other types of stuff stacked against them, and they still can't understand what it means to be in your skin.
0: Well, I mean, it goes back to like I was saying before, you know, in the last episode who better than you to educate people about what goes on with you than you, you know, because a lot of people start going into that mindset of it's not my problem, I shouldn't have to do that. Yes, you should, because again, you are a brand ambassador, and in being a brand ambassador. Your job as a brand ambassador is to promote the brand. Is right. to exemplify what the brand means. Is to point out the merits and the strengths of the brand. And who better to educate other people about your brand, about your about your about who you are as a people than you? Because somebody who is coming from outside the population can't tell me about what I go through. Right. They're not going to know because they haven't had first hand experience in the struggle. And so it's one of those things like prime example, like you were talking about your daughter. I remember watching that, that, uh, that, that movie that Chris Rock made uh, called good hair. Yeah. And you know, like one of my coworkers, uh, I remember we were sitting down and we were talking about it and she was like, she was really enlightened by watching the movie. She said, because she didn't know the struggles that African American uh, women go through in regards to their hair, you know, both, both African young African-American girls up to women, what they go through with their hair, the different types of hair that they have, the different textures of hair that they have, um, the different things that they go through because of the fact that, you know, just just something that we all take for granted, which is hair. You know, there's different textures of hair, different curl patterns, there's different things that go into things such as hair. So if something simple and innocuous that we just take for granted, such as hair, is a, is a stressor. Just imagine some of the more serious things such as, you know, pe- the way people look at you when you go in the store. You know, the way people treat you when you when you pick up their wallet and you hand it back to them, the way that they just, they thumb through the wallet to make sure all their money and their credit cards are there in your face. Right. You know, because I've had that happen to me before where a lady dropped her wa- her wallet. She was riding a motorized wheelchair. I was in Walmart. And... Riding a motorized wheelchair, and she dropped her wallet. I walk behind her. Um, I pick up the wallet. I you know, I tap her on the shoulder, excuse me, ma'am. Uh, you dropped your wallet. Right in my face, she immediately starts going through the wallet. And
1: yeah. so, like, what, like, what did you take out of it before you gave it back? Like
0: I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and and to me, you know, you have instances where when you get in line behind people at the grocery store and they immediately move their kids and their, their personal items away from you, like their, their right. purse and stuff away from you. And I'm like, I have money, you know, I'm not trying to steal anything from you. I'm not trying to do nothing to you. I'm sorry. You know? And, and I mean, I, I like, I've learned to just not take things like that personally. Um, because again, that's most, well, yeah, most I'm definitely
1: people, not going to internalize anything When it comes when I'm in public, especially when I see women, you know, clutch a purse, I'm not as young as I used to be. But when I remember when I was younger, uh, you know, my pants was hanging a little low. You know what I'm saying? I had the baggier clothes and stuff like that when I was younger. And and so, you know, I'd see people clutch a purse and I'm working now. I worked construction for most of my 20s uh, up to uh, my early 30s. Uh, So I was always going to work you know what I'm saying? Even as a, a drug addict, I used to work. I used to tell people, man, I work tra- trash, pick, clean up, all that. I've done all those things. I was still working. But you'd have people uh, clutching their bags, especially white women, when they'd see me or, or, or uh, you know walk on the other side of the street. I've been through that. And you know what? I learned not to internalize any of that because I know my self-worth. Uh, and, and like you said, I wasn't. I I got my money. I'm I'm gonna pay for whatever I need to pay for when I'm at the grocery store. I might pay for yours if you treat me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I might bless you. You never know who I am. Right. But at the same time, we internalize those things and we take it upon ourselves because what they're projecting, that hate that they're projecting, we start saying, well, damn, uh, you know, these people don't like me. Mm -hmm. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my color. There's something wrong with my hair. There's something wrong with my skin tone. All those different things go through our heads as African Americans. And it's hard not to feel uh, like we're of lower worth, lower value, uh, because society is uh, indirectly saying that. uh, Mm -hmm. And people don't get that. And that affects us mentally. Emotionally. you know, it
0: affects you mentally, it, aff- it affects you in all ways. It affects you mentally, it affects you emotionally, it affects you physically, spiritually, because um, you start to question your self-worth, because right. you're like, what did I do? You know, because I know as a young man, I mean, like, I definitely became one of those people where, and even now as an adult, where I just stay away from people, period. Um, right. Because people, I felt being, you know, you know, with, with my parents being military and my parents moving a lot and different things like that. Of course, you know, being the new kid, I mean, I had that stressor of every every few years had to relearn and make new friends all over again. But then also, you know, as I got older and I started to realize that people looked at me differently, you know, because of the color of my skin, not because of anything I said or anything because I physically done, they were already judging me. And right. so what I, started, what I started to internalize was that maybe it's just better for me to just not associate with people at, at all. Yes. And, and and so it's just better for me to just stay away from people as a whole, because people are going to think one way or one way about me, either because of the way that I talk or the way that I look right. without even right. without even really giving me an opportunity to prove or disprove whatever they're thinking anyway. But again, when I started to realize that people think the way that they think and they believe the way they believe, because that's the way they were taught that by educating people guess what i give them the opportunity to to be better because when you know better you can do better
1: right
0: you know and so when you know better than to treat people differently because of the way that they look and to be open and to be empathetic and to be understanding of the things that they go through you tend to be more quick to act on things when you see that right. they're wrong even if they affect even if they affect you or they don't affect you and and that's where I'm hoping that things continue to go because, as you know, as we're seeing now, people are becoming more cognizant of the fact that things are not right. Right. People are becoming more aware that there is an inequality and there is a disparity in regards to a lot of things because of race. And I heard Um,
1: people say, oh, my God, when I saw that George Floyd murder on tv i'm like they've been doing that since the beginning of of, of america's time it's yeah. ever since uh, the, the 15th century <laughs> they've been yeah. killing people like that you know and, and so
0: and, and so and and it hasn't just been a police thing it it, it hasn't just right. been oh the police have been doing that no you had vigilantes that were going out they, there i mean you you look at the Klan. yeah the, the, the KKK like was doing was killing people like that so wild now
1: wild picnics they be yeah. hanging people while they're having picnics, watching people's bodies uh, so uh dangle from a
0: tree. That was they, they, you know, literally the kindly shop owner would take your money Monday through Friday and on Saturday they're burning a cross in your front yard. On your front yard so, talking about you gotta so, move. Yeah, exactly. So so it, it's just become now it's become more readily, you know, visible because of the, the advances of technology. Right. Everyone's got a that. camera, everyone's right. got a phone, so everyone can be can Everybody's can a reporter. Can, can, everyone can be a reporter and and break and 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 drop breaking news and so now it's become more readily this readily visible and so people can point out the inequalities in the way that people are treating them like that lady in uh in new york where the guy was out there bird watching and right, right. she tried to make it into he the was harassing Karen. her and and her dog and had he not been able to record that you that whole interaction back. Just imagine where how that would have gone for him. Well, the police would have said it was on him. You know that. Yeah, he had because on
1: know, video, like, look at this lady lying in her. But you can tell she had some sort of personality disorder yeah, anyway. Yeah, she, de- she
0: definitely people. Did.
1: We're, we're mental health professionals. I'm sorry to say, a lot of y'all, once I start seeing that type of stuff, all this, automatically you start lying and making up stories and stuff like that. You need to be locked in a facility. You're danger to yourself and others at that
0: point. Yeah because because she she literally attempted to weaponize the police against this man who was just bird watching and again had he not had a phone had he not been recording the interaction just imagine how things would go, go had a, ha, would have gone differently for him and well, she
1: was entitled she didn't like the yeah. fact he was telling her about her and her dog yeah he, that's cuz i think volumes how entitled people are cuz i not think what people people period yeah, People are just entitled. You're like, where in the world. You see black people doing crazy stuff, too.
0: Because <laughs> I, mean, I, I think that for her, I think it was, he was out there bird watching and you're supposed to have your dog on a leash or something. Right. And so he said something to her about having the dog on the leash and then she it went into this whole thing of you're harassing me and X, Y, and Z. And I'm just like, wait, what? He's harassing you where? Delusion. Man, you're the one that's getting loud on him. And then she put her best damsel in distress voice on when she called the police. And so, you know, it becomes a situation where, again, things are becoming more visible and people are becoming more cognizant and aware of the fact that, hey, stuff ain't right. Stuff is not fair. And we're not taking care of each other as we should, because, again, we're all human beings. We're all human beings, first and foremost. It don't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what color you are, how you love, who you love. You know how you worship. We are all human beings, and beings. and in being human beings, guess what? We got to treat each other with a certain level of respect and dignity,
1: an and, alien- and and look, and an alienable rights that you have yeah. as a human being. Exactly. <laughs> you know, got to treat it's, them with
0: respect. Exactly, um, because again, you you have to put you have to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Exactly. If this was me, how would I want someone to treat me? If this was my mother, how would I want someone to treat her? This is well, my just father. Like the
1: boy, remember the little boy? He was in the store with his dad, and uh, I think it was in a Starbucks. And the girl said he stole her phone, and he had never gotten close to that lady. You know? No, what it saying? was a,
0: about, well, No, was that in was in. It was. It was a. It was a hotel. It was a, a hotel, hotel lobby. Right.
1: And a hotel lobby. That's what, what was. happened.
0: Was she had left her phone in? I think a taxi cab or an Uber or something.
1: Something like and, that.
0: And she's. He stole my phone. I mean, she literally attacked the young man, jumped on his back and everything. Right.
1: Trying to attack somebody physically over a phone. He didn't even know this lady. He never was close to her to steal her phone. So it just shows you how people can be. And she wasn't even, she was actually someone who was was Hispanic. She was a Hispanic American, which is really sad about the situation because she tried to use that to downplay her racist
0: behavior. Yeah, her her, her profiling him. My
1: phone. My, yeah, right? he stole my like phone. Stole so she
0: phone. so she turned it into. I remember in the interview you she did, she I turned don't. it into that she wasn't racially profiling him because she's a minority as well. And you can't be racist against someone else when you're a minority too, right. ma'am. You profiled him because he was African American. And rather exactly. than just saying, "Hey, I apologize. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that," you know, I, 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 I'm I I I. I, I, whatever trauma I cause this young man, because again, that causes trauma. Exactly. That That causes trauma because she's lucky that little boy,
1: uh, actually was very mild mannered because I know some little boys that would probably threw hands on her (laughs) and and, and it would have been something like, you know, I used to work that little adolescent joint. I worked at with some kids was locked up, man. And, and, and look, some of them wouldn't even have thought twice about putting hands on that lady.
0: Yeah, they they would have they would have fought her just like she was a dude dude wouldn't have thought nothing dude. like oh she's a woman oh, let stop let me just push her away from me no nope. she would have she'd been blessed oh, she would have been blessed with a full ride scholarship to catch these hands right. university
1: two piece in a biscuit might have laid yeah. her out and been like yeah it's not your phone
0: <laughs> and 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 <laughs> and instead of just apologizing and attempting to move forward and trying to get past it she continued to justify the behavior. And that's a big part of the problem too. Is Justification we, of the, the justifications. That's what no, we you. have to stop. That. Got- <laughs> we we have to stop that because even like where um, you you have you even have politicians that should know better than that. They justify you know you know the the policing of neighborhoods with oh there's so much black on black crime, you right. know this and that
1: increase pop yeah increase increase police presence because of that right and i'm I'm like
0: i was like stop stop because you're spinning a false narrative you're spinning a false narrative and and we have to we have to do better because again if you're it is it is our responsibility as people who are putting knowledge out there to put out correct knowledge and and put out the knowledge for people to be able to form their own 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 informed opinion about things based off of things that are factually based not based off of what i feel or what i think and that's where a lot of people are getting it wrong because again that is what is continuing the cycle of hate is the fact that we're putting out these false narratives we're putting out these these alternative facts and misinformations if you will um in regards to race in regards to equality in regards to the 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 separations and the disparities And trying to downplay them and make them seem like it's not that big of a deal. And it is. It's not that big of a deal to you because you're winning. But the moment you start losing, Losing. let's come back and have this conversation. Exactly. Well, just
1: like in 1992, we had the um, Los Angeles riots, right? And uh, there's many uh, documentations and stories that they've done on it that obviously, because of the situation with the police presence, they wanted to make the narrative that all these black people were rioting and and, and, and build, burning down stores and looting and rioting when all different races were doing this. Um, they even showed how they were recording, all right? The people who were recording were recording everybody. But when it came to the news, they were only showing one group of people. Why would that? The, the people who were recording, the, the people from home and stuff like that, when you saw their own home videos, had everybody, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, everybody was caught looting. But why you only see one black crackhead coming out with the TV and everybody like, oh, see, see, that's what they do. That's what they do. Well, that's what the, the actual media wanted you to see. Mm-hmm. And so society thinks it's only black crackheads looting and robbing everybody.
0: No, and I mean, and and to me, my thing is like, and, and I and I touched on this in the last episode. Um, protesting is 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 the voice of the people who are is the voice of the oppressed, right? You know, and 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 if people have issues with protesting, like I am not for the riot. When you start to impact daily life and and business and people being able to make a living and we're right. we're tearing stuff up I, I, oh i'm not i'm not with that i'm not with that because yeah. that's not people right that becomes, that becomes that yeah. becomes that becomes counterproductive at that point because now people mm-hmm. are being distracted by what you're doing instead of what you're what you're saying and so i again i'm not okay with that like me as 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 for me as as just a just as an individual, I am not okay with the, with the, with the, with the rioting and the, and the the tearing up of businesses and burning stuff. But I can, I am on board with the people, peaceful, peaceful protest. Because again, when you peacefully protest, people tend to want to sit down and hear what you have to say as to why you're protesting in the first place. And if you have a problem with people protesting, ask them why they're protesting, find out why they're upset. Find, a, find out why they're choosing to sit in or boycott a business and things like that. Find out why, because right. I guarantee you when you take the time to find out why people do something, always find the why, you know, and as, as a therapist, you know, that is something I always look for in a person is the why, because we're all motivated uh, by different yeah, what's things. What's the function
1: of you doing that? Why? Yeah.
0: Ooh. Why, why Ooh. are you doing this? Because if I find your why, I can figure out how to get you to a a different state.
1: A a new intervention to get you to where you need to go.
0: (laughs) You know, get you to that that next level. So for everyone, everyone's why is different. You know, like for you as a person that's employed, your why is, you know, showing up to work every day is the fact that I don't want to be on the street. I got bills to pay. I got a family to take care of. You know, that why for pushing forward is the fact that I refuse to give up on my dream and refuse to give up on myself. So when a person is protesting, they get to the point where they're sick and tired of being sick and tired and they say enough is enough. I'm doing I'm I'm going to protest, sit down and find out why people are protesting. Dig into the knowledge and find out why the people are saying what they're saying. Why are they right. sick and tired? Because being sick and tired didn't just come out of nowhere. It didn't just happen overnight. It didn't just happen the last five minutes, the last two years, the last 10 years. It's been a systemic thing for the past right. 400 plus and years. People
1: were tired.
0: They're they tired.
1: Uh, it tells you in the Bible, right? Uh, during the uh, the times of slavery, when the Jews were held captive, right? And uh, uh, <laughs> Moses was being brought up. And God said, I heard the cries of my people. All right. What Facts. happened? Rebellion after that. Rebellion happened after that. People have to understand we're only going to take so much. But the one thing I know we're running out of time, the one thing I wanted to close with uh, before we really got to closing time, was a quote. The quote was from Nia um, Uh Nia, uh, Nia Moeller, uh was actually in uh, Germany during the time Adolf Hitler and his Nazi peri- uh, party carried out the um, acts of violence uh, and, and lawlessness against the populations, right? Innocent populations, right? And one of his quotes, and um, I, be- I believe Martin Luther King used it before too. It said, first they came for the communists, and I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I wasn't in the trade union. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I wasn't a Jew. Finally, they came for me and there was no one left to speak out. And and that hit me hard when I thought about that, that we will sit back and watch people be persecuted. And struggle. And struggle. And we don't speak out because it's not us. That's this whole situation that's been perpetuated with racism. On, on, And, and I see it with, with the Hispanics right now. I had to correct somebody recently. I said, Hispanics are hardworking. I work construction. And, and, and when I was on the East Coast, most of my brothers that was working with me were Hispanic. And they were working hard, man. Hard for their families. All right. They weren't sitting there calling out when they back was hurt. They was coming to work, man. Because mm-hmm. they want to take care of their families. They wanted to provide. And people yep. talk bad about them because, oh, oh, there's five or six of them living in the house. Oh, man, that's how they do. Well, they're supporting and they're buying houses, they're buying property. Black people, why don't you do that? All right, if you got to live with your cousin, you don't want to live with your cousin. Sometimes you got to, right? Why don't you pull your money together with family members? Why don't you try to do some of those things that Koreans do, that other races do? Think about it, man. When we stand together and we do things and we're all come together as a people, things can be achieved. Great things. We forget about in the Bible the reason why the uh um the Tower of Babel was built because people came together. Yep. Facts. <laughs> and we look at it in a negative way, right? But people came together in Babylon. All right, let's pull let's pull that, let's all come together. But yet we watch other people be persecuted and we sit back because it's not us. And then when it's us and there's nobody to speak up, what happens, right? History's bound to repeat itself. <laughs> you know, just give it time. So that's why we have to come together as a people. It's not about uh, uh, racism. It's about that that separation. That's that's the real part of racism that I think people forget, that separation, the segregation. We mm-hmm. have to come together in order to combat that. The, like you said earlier with the love. That mm-hmm. the direct correlation between love It is a cure for hatred. It's a direct correlation. The more love, the less hate.
0: So, um, again, we want to thank you guys for for checking us out. If this is your first time here, we ask that you stay and join the tribe. Um, Join the conversations. And if you choose to stay, we greatly appreciate you. And we will see you in our next episode. You guys have a good one. Peace.